Welcome to LawPod. I am Lee Hedgemantelis, the Principal of Bryden's Lawyers. Now, over the preceding few months, we have been very lucky to introduce to you a number of very special guests, and today is no exception. And the young lady who is with me today ticks a number of boxes. Not only is she heavily involved in rugby league, she is also a lawyer. And full disclosure, we are not only friends, but we are, of course, related. Mary and I having able to trace our roots back to a little village outside of Limassol in Cyprus. And we came across that uh, little nugget of information, I think, at a Men of League event by just, just by chance. So on behalf of Brighton's Lawyers, I welcome today to our Law Pod episode, Mary Constantopoulos. Lee, thank you for having me. And from memory, during that Men of League dinner, I actually got my grandma or Yaya on the phone to have a chat to you. And the two of you were having a yarn at the back of the event and tracing back our family roots. So that's lovely. It's true. And if I do remember correctly, it was me who insisted on you ringing your Yaya. And I spoke to her on the phone and she said to me in Greek, are you the lawyer? Are you Con and Carol's son? And I said, I am. <laughs> and, it went, and it went from there. And our families know each other very well and for many, many, many years. But Mary, we crossed paths, of course, in rugby league circles, and that's how it started. Now, you're very well known in rugby league, of course, through Ladies Who League. But let's start at the beginning. Now, I'm assuming you grew up in a traditional Greek family. Fairly traditional. Fairly traditional. Okay. Was sport a big feature of that growing up? Sport was a big feature growing up. So during school, my brothers and I all played sport throughout. So I played whatever sport was an offer. I did water polo. I did athletics. I did a bit of tennis, netball, hockey. My brothers played cricket, rugby and football. But I remember early in my life, I had to go to Greek school on a Saturday and it was a cause of a lot of angst because I had to go to Greek school and then Greek dancing afterwards. As as you should. Whilst my brothers were allowed to play sport, it wasn't until I hit year three that I was able to give up Greek school to play sport. But I'm pretty grateful for it now because it means I can speak to my grandparents in Greek. Okay. Was that the first instance then you recognised some differentiation between boys and girls? (laughs) Is that where it all started? Well, it's not fair, is it? Why Why do I have to go to Greek school and they don't have to? Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll move. We'll leave that one alone for the moment. All right. Well, everyone played a lot of sports. Did anyone play a sport well? Yes. Both my brothers, in fact, both my brothers were very good cricketers and made the first 11s for Kings, which is where they went to school. My brother also played rugby for the second, so they were all very good. I wasn't a bad swimmer and not a bad water polo player, but I stuck to the books, which is where I was much better. Okay. Well, you've done exceptionally well, of course, through your academic career and graduated solicitor from Sydney University, if I recall correctly, both our alma mater, and we look fondly upon that. All right, then sport for you, though, became somewhat a bit more serious at one stage. How did that how did that come about? I mean, and is it right to say that it was initially rugby league? Is that where your passion developed? Absolutely. So rugby league was my favourite sport to watch as a kid and it was because I wanted to spend more time with my dad and brothers on the weekend. They spent a lot of time watching rugby league and supporting the Parramatta Eels. So just like them, I became a Parramatta Eels supporter. And as you know, I'm tragic still until this day. So I continued to follow the Eels and I was a pretty crazy fan. I loved my team. I loved going out to watch rugby league. And, you know, anyone that met me sort of realised that I had this passion, especially for rugby league. So when I was working at Clayton Utes as a graduate lawyer, I met this incredible woman named Simone Wetton. And she said to me, Mary, you should do something about this passion. And I said, nah, no one will really be interested in what I have to say. And she said, no, you should go home and think about it. And I said, all right, I'll go home and think about it. I thought about it overnight, realised that I had nothing to lose. And the next day started a very dodgy WordPress blog called Ladies Who League. 
Now, what's important to note is at that point, Ladies Who League was very much about encouraging women to get involved in conversations about rugby league and celebrating the, wom the women that I could see in the game, which at that point was pretty limited. It was mainly the administrators and women in the media. And it wasn't long after I realised that Australia had a women's rugby league team named the Australian Gillaroos, and that if I called myself a pretty passionate rugby league fan and had no idea who they were, then there would be others that felt the same. You know, that's when it sort of broadened a little bit more to focus on women that were actually playing sport and advocating on their behalf. Okay, but you must have recognised that initially at least there was a void or some sort of failing in the game of rugby league to recognise the involvement of women. Is that what, what stimulated you initially? I'd actually been contributing online to like a Parramatta Eels fan forum and I'd been a pretty prominent writer on that website but just felt at times that it was a little bit hostile that I wasn't being able to express my opinion as succinctly as I wanted and I thought, well, what better way to be able to do that than to start my own platform? Oh, absolutely. At what age do you think you you came to understand the game of rugby league? I know being a fan is one thing, but actually understanding and contribute to the extent that you have. At what age do you think you appreciated the game? I feel like it was probably in high school where I really started to appreciate the game. And I mean, Parramatta made a couple of grand finals in those years as well. So I really enjoyed that time and following the players and understanding tactics a little bit more. So that helped. But certainly watching more women's rugby league over the last couple of years has helped too. All right. So from humble beginnings, we have ladies who league. But you now are a force to be reckoned with in the game of rugby league. And I say that you know, with, with all due respect because I know that you are well known in the upper echelons of the game at NRL headquarters, for example, the NSWRL. You're at all these functions because you're recognised now as an advocate of women in the game and that you have a voice that needs to be, to be listened to. Is that something that you ever envisaged what might have occurred from the time that you started until where you are today? Did you ever think to yourself that you might become an important voice in the game? Absolutely not. As I said, Lee, when I first started, I thought, who would be interested in what I have to say? But over the years, not only have I formed great relationships and met some wonderful people across the game, but my voice has been able to develop. And I think as well, what I'm really proud of is that I'm able to talk about important issues in a respectful way with an understanding of these issues so that people will listen. I'm not about trashing the game, I'm not about bringing it down, I'm about celebrating the good stuff that happens in rugby league and you and I know that there is plenty of that, but also challenging the game to be better because I think there's always room for improvement. True. Now coming from a semi-traditional Greek background as you say, we usually shun too much publicity as such. We we try and avoid it. Were there any concerns on your parents' part as to your new profile? My parents were more worried that I was spending too much time on Ladies Who League and not focusing on becoming a partner at a big law firm. Okay. Um, but over the years, they've certainly developed a lot of pride in what I'm doing and have sort of seen the impact that I've been able to make in a small way, and, and that really brings them joy. Yeah, well, what's incredibly impressive for me is that I've seen you attend numerous functions with your family, your parents or your father, and even recently the Blues campaign there, you saw your father attend an event there at Star City. So that's indicative to me of not only the, the, the fact that you share a common interest, but the support that your, your family provides. Absolutely. And I mean, my mum is the classic example. So my dad loves a sporting event and will come along to wherever I invite him. And I love having his company because we've always had a really close relationship. My mum isn't really a sports fan okay. <laughs> at all, actually. But um, when she comes with me to sporting events, she's coming because she knows that it's important to me and she loves me and she has always been very supportive of the work that I do, even if she doesn't quite understand. Okay. So Ladies Who League kicked off in 2012. We are now eight years down the track. 
Looking back on those eight years, your achievements, which are numerous, as I say, elevating the role of women within the game and, and the women's game itself, what do you take particular pride in? There are a lot of things I take pride in, Lee. I remember back to an event that I sat on a panel for. It was for South Sydney. And at the end of the event, a woman approached me and said, Mary, I work at an organisation that is really interested in getting behind women's sport. Can you help? And I sort of let that ruminate in the back of my mind for a little while and thought, how can I help this woman get connected to sporting teams? I ended up sending a tweet out to my followers and I think I got maybe 130 responses. And I forwarded all those responses onto this woman. She connected with all of them, had conversations with all of them. And as a result, I think three or four teams were granted sponsorship. And for me, that was a really important way of connecting, you know, a person that I knew with sporting clubs and making a real impact for the women at those clubs. So that's something I'm exceptionally proud of. I'm exceptionally proud of the game of rugby league, to be honest. I think we get a bad rap a lot of the time, but I think particularly when it comes to Indigenous issues and listening to the views of our Indigenous players and highlighting the incredible contribution that they make across the game, when it comes to the women's game, I think we've taken tremendous strides. So I'm proud to be part of a game that is so inclusive. I think also what always brings me joy is when people recognise me on the street and come up and say a little hello and, and thank you for the work you did or I really enjoyed that story or thanks for featuring my daughter. So that's also special. And just the understanding that the next generation of young men and young women will grow up in this country and it'll just be known that men and women have the opportunity to play sport and that's just how it is. Should we be content where the women's game is at the moment or is there much more work to be done? I think there is a lot of work to be done. I'm really proud of how far we've, got, we've come. And I think if I look back at the NRLW, there's been a lot of criticism about the fact that we only have four teams. In a way, it's positive because people want more of the women's game. But I think the NRL is really focused on ensuring that we have a strong, sustainable, marketable product. And the fact that people want more speaks to the success of that. But I think it's important that we start expanding. And my understanding was that unfortunately before COVID hit, we're a little while off finding out who the next teams are going to be to enter the competition and also from expanding the competition itself. So I wouldn't be surprised if in 2021, we see both teams play each other twice and then see some new teams come into the fold in 2022, which I think is really important. What I also love about rugby league, I think, is that when we talk about the women's game, we talk about it like we talk about the men's game now. It's analytical. It's not, oh, gee, those women can take really hard hits or look how strong they are. It's we know who the players are now. So, you know, we're having analytical conversations about how they can get better, why that player was picked and why not that player. So I think that's also really important. And I've loved the way the rugby league community has embraced the women's game and is just excited by it. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, the NRLW is, is an exciting competition. It's fabulous to watch. And you get a taste of it. You know, you, get, you only get, of course, there's the four teams and three rounds. And by the time you get into it, it's over. It's mm. somewhat disappointing. But I can tell you on behalf of the West Tigers that we are making an application. Of course, we're putting an application through for entry because Bryden's Lawyers joined this year as the major sponsor of the West Tigers Harvey Norman women's team. And I got to go to a number of those games. But again, as you say, you cannot demean it by saying it's simply the women's game. It is as enjoyable as any other game because they compete. And that's what you want to see. You want to see people competing at the top of their craft. I think, Lee, as well, what I love so much about it is that for so many of these women, they are playing because they love it. They are not playing for money. They are not playing for fame because the women's game, you know, is only now just starting to get a little bit of money in it. And to see that passion and the way that they juggle family life, university studies, work, just to be able to play rugby league is incredible. I mean, if we think about the NRLW this year, a lot of talk happened about the men's competition and the sacrifices that the players made, and they absolutely did. 
but for some of the New Zealand Warriors women, they did a two-week quarantine in Australia to participate in a three- to four-week competition and then had to do a two-week quarantine when they went back to New Zealand, all while it's not a full-time professional gig, I guess. Where would you like to see the NRLW go? A full-season competition aligned with the men's competition? I would like to see that, Lee, but I think the great opportunity with the NRLW is that we really have some choice about how to expand it. I think if you were starting the NRL men's competition again, potentially you wouldn't have as many teams in Sydney. If we were starting with a fresh slate, no history, you'd perhaps be a little bit more national. I think the NRLW has the real opportunity to do that. I also think it's important that at some point we get to standalone games. I think they work really well. And when we're talking about the state of origin, I'd also like us to get to a point where we're having a three-game women's state of origin. But it's really important for people to remember that this isn't their full-time job. So when Boyd Cordner is called into Blues camp, he drops everything, goes into camp, supported by his club, the Roosters, and that's what he has to focus on. When women go into state of origin camp, they have to juggle family, job, all sorts of things. So I want the game to be in a position where financially those women can take that time because we've seen the state of origin. It's been incredible and people just want more. You've mentioned sponsorship a number of times and and obviously finances in the women's game has always been a challenge and not just for rugby league across the board. And women's game has been, I think, to some extent held back by a lack of corporate sponsorship, lack of viewership on TV and the like. And there has been that perception for a little while that it may not equate to the same quality viewing event as the men's game. My impression is that we have moved a long way away from that. You find now that a lot of sponsors, including Bryden's Lawyers, invest a lot of money in women's sport. And of course, we met through as well our connections and our love of women's basketball with the Sydney Flames. A lot of work's been done in that area in terms of women's sport generally, but there's a lot of work to be done. And that leads into other areas in which you become interested, which we'll speak of in a moment. But generally speaking, though, in terms of corporate sponsorship and investment in women's sport, what have been the challenges and what do you think are the challenges moving forwards? First of all, Lee, while I have a mic in front of me, I do want to congratulate Brighton's lawyers on the work that all of you do in the community because women's sport is a space where there is now a lot of interest. But Brighton's lawyers have been there for a very long time and not just supporting sport at the elite level, but at the grassroots. So... Often when I go out to a, you know, a Sydney Uni Flames game, I always tag Brighton's Lawyers because I think it's important for people to know and recognise organisations like this that have been on board since the beginning. So I'll say that. Thank you. <laughs> I think Cricket very Australia... Kind. No, it's true though. No, it's I think, very, it is very kind though. I think Cricket Australia and what they have been able to do with the women's game is a really good blueprint because people question women's sport and whether it will get viewership, whether it will garner the interest. At the ICC T20 Women's World Cup earlier this year, we saw over 86,000 people at the MCG to watch the women win the World Cup over India. Now, they are a team that are hugely successful, are hugely popular, are, you know, well-sponsored. And I think, you know, Cricket Australia have invested in that team. They are now full-time professionals. And I think when you do that and give women the opportunity to be full-time professionals, I don't think that, you know, you can question their commitment or the quality of game. And I think... More sponsors are coming on board now because not only do they see how hard these women are working, they see the quality of the product, but also see what talented individuals they are away from the field and how passionate they are about the next generation and ensuring that the game is in a better place than when they left it. And Lee, I know you've spoken to a lot of female athletes and I hope that you've had the same experience. Oh, absolutely. I think there is enormous opportunity for corporate sponsors such as Brides Lawyers and others to not only invest in the game as a sponsor, but to actually invest in the players themselves mm-hmm. because they can provide a lot to your organisation. And I could not be more impressed 
with the Sydney Flames, their organisation, their management alike. And of course now they've been bought by the Sydney Kings. We've come on board as the major sponsor of Sydney Kings and that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't sponsored the Flames. So it's incredible opportunities and doors open for us. So no, we, we couldn't be more proud of our association with women's sport. And the fact that I have three daughters, of course, compelled me down that path to some extent. Mary, your interest in cricket is fascinating because I, I love the cricket. But it is such a technical game. It takes years to really understand it. But once you do, there's very few sports that can compare to cricket so far as its technical aspects. I mean, is that what you find? Is that the, is that the attraction to it? Yeah, that's part of it, Lee. I think also I just love a great story. And when you get to know some of the athletes and their stories behind the scenes, I find that exceptionally compelling. And a lot of people make fun of me because apparently I have more teams in any sport that I follow than any other person in the world. Well, you're always backing a winner. (laughs) Well, that's true. But also it's because I get to know the people behind the stories and, you know, it's very hard not to cheer for those people. So... My technical knowledge of cricket is definitely still developing, though, and I'm still learning the positions on the field. I find that really, really well, hard. Yeah, I kind of given up on that. But just just things about you know what strokes there are and how they hit the ball, how they bowl the ball inside out. And I heard very interesting commentary the other day. Of course, in the midst of a pandemic now, will the bowlers be allowed to actually apply their spittle to the ball to polish mm-hmm. the ball? And I think the answer is no. So that's going to make it very interesting as to what they what they can do. All right. Well, ladies who league has been an incredible success, but. It provided a platform, a launching pad for so many other ladies. Tell me if I leave anyone out. <laughs> ladies who leg spin, of course, cricket. Mm-hmm. Ladies who leap. AFL. AFL. Ladies who line out. Rugby union. Of course. Ladies who W league. Couldn't for think of a better word for football. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, we have one for basketball. Ladies who lay up. That's, that's correct. Now, ladies who leap. AFL. Yes. Genuine interest there. Genuine interest. Look, I think the thing is, Lee, rugby league and cricket will always be my number one and number two sports. But as I said, I find the stories of these athletes so compelling and the impact that sporting clubs can have on the community and on societal change is something that really drives me too. So when other sports started knocking on the door and when I started learning about the stories of other incredible athletes, I I couldn't really say no. And this year I made a real effort as well to cover more women's sports. So I think this year I've done, you know, bobsledding, I've done shooting, I've done table tennis, I've done water polo, I've done all sorts. And and I've really loved it, Lee. I really have. Oh, good on you. All right. Now, of course, with all this newfound fame and and the profile within (laughs) the, the sporting realms, that led to the development of a podcast series, which I've had the pleasure of being a guest on. Is that continuing? We're not sure what we're going to do with the podcast going forward next year. But I think what's been great is that I've got to meet so many people and connect so many people and share such wonderful stories. So I've had a lot of fun with that. But uh, watch this space and we'll see what comes next. I'm glad to hear that because I really enjoyed my experience. And in fact, if you recall, I appeared with Sam Squires. You did. And Sam happened to host our West Tigers Kelly Barnes Award recently and she recalled. So I thought it was very flattered by that, let me tell you. How many years have you been doing that? I think about four years. Okay. Well, you would have met some very interesting and, and influential people over that time. Any particular standouts? I've got two moments. I'll share a funny one and then I'll share a serious one. So I had the opportunity to have Peter Beatty, former ARLC commissioner, on my show. Now, now this has got to be the funny one. It is. It is, I thought so. Peter, as many of you know, is a former politician and he came on my show and just watching him, like he absolutely schooled me in how to handle the media. Oh dear. I remember asking him a question and he looked me point blank and said, Mary, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to answer another question instead. And I just thought this man is an absolute genius. (laughs) 
But I had so much fun with Peter and was so grateful for his time and was just grateful as well for, I think, how much personality he showed when he was in the role of the commission. Well, the most impressive thing he did in that role of commission, I found, was stepping aside. And I don't mean that in any derogatory sense, but the recognition that someone like Peter Vlanis had more to offer. And as I say, I, I thought Peter Betty did a wonderful job. But to recognise that someone else can take it to another level, I think, is a mark of a man to acknowledge that there is someone who may be able to, to bring something different to the table. Me, personally speaking, probably so conceited, I'd never make that admission. <laughs> well, I think, <laughs> But it was a, a credit to him that he did. It's a mark of leadership, Absolutely. isn't it? Because, Absolutely. you know, in any role, you get to a point where you've been there a long time and it's potentially time for someone new to come in with fresh ideas. So I think it's a sign of a really good leader. So Peter yeah. Beattie, but then also a woman named Talisha Quinn. Now, Talisha Quinn is a former Australian Jillaroo and has had some troubles with injuries. When I first met Talisha, she had a stutter and was very, very worried about appearing on the show. She appeared on the show and had no problems at all and was wonderful. But what I found so compelling about Talisha was that she was in the army and had essentially moved across the country looking for rugby league competitions. So it was initially based in Sydney, heard about a competition up in Queensland, moved up to Queensland, found out that the competition wasn't happening again. Then the Cronulla Sharks were launching a team the year after, so asked for a transfer down to Cronulla to play with the Sharks. So did that. But just the ability to be able to move and to say, I love this game so much that I'm going to move across the country pursuing my dream and pursuing my passion, I found that really, really inspirational. Oh, well, the lovely stories. And it's nice to note that I didn't find my way into your top two memories of your podcast series. But we'll You're number three, No, Lee. no, we'll talk about that off the air. That, that's fine. <laughs> All right, now... Ladies Who is your passion, but it's not what you do full-time, is it? No, it isn't. Well, tell us about what Mary Kay does full-time. Yeah, so I am a lawyer by trade, and now I work in the regulatory team at MBN. Okay, well, that speaks volumes, let me tell you. (laughs) We we could do an entire podcast series on the NBN. We could. Okay, now, as a regulatory advisor, how does that assist or in any way impact on your overseeing the Ladies Who empire? What I'll say is I think both spheres of my life have taught me different things that each contribute to the other. The first thing that I think I'd like to credit my law degree and my training for is good organisation. And Lee, you are also a man that wears many hats and I'm sure you are highly organised and that is the key, I think, really to getting so much done in your day. So that is a real credit to my law degree. But the benefit of Ladies Who and Ladies Who League has been that it has given me a confidence that I don't think I could have or was at the point of developing in my professional career yet. So you spoke about the events, Lee. Now, that's something I think about a lot because now I walk into a rugby league event and I have friends everywhere. Mm. I feel like I'm part of a family. True. But that didn't happen overnight. I remember the first time I walked into one of those events, I looked around, there's Todd Greenberg, there's Dave Trodden. I thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> Who am I going to talk to? So developing that self-confidence to actually go up to people and start having those conversations is something that Ladies Who League has certainly taught me. So that's been really special. Also, the ability to ask for things. In the past, I haven't been very good at asking for help or, you know, asking for assistance. But, you know, when you're running your own business... You need whatever help you can get. If you don't drive it, no one else is going to. So I think there are a couple of lessons that, you know, I've really learned along the way. Everything you say is absolutely correct. And it's a a real credit to you, Mary, how you've driven this just purely on passion. Mm. The final subject matter, one in which I have absolutely no interest, is your (laughs) beloved Parramatta Eels. Oh, my beloved Parramatta Eels. Uh, Well, you and I have been to too many games together. It's amazing, you know, with um, all the incredible amount of money and sponsorship and TV viewership and and TV rights and the like about the game, it really comes down to just a game, doesn't it? A game. 
something that just that generates so much passion and and commitment on behalf of fans and members. I mean, someone like you, as I say, you, you know, the a woman that controls media empire who just turns up as as a fan of your team. I'm the chair of the club that I love, and I turn up and I'm I'm still like this the giggly child. There You're still support. that eight year old, Absolutely. aren't you? It never changes, never change. And I I would hope that we would never lose that passion. And the fact that we can actually operate in that realm, something that you actually love so much, we're very fortunate. Oh, Lee, we are, and I say it every single day. Like if ladies who league, if something were to happen and it were all to end tomorrow, I would look back with nothing but fondness and be so grateful for the experiences that I've had, the people that I've met, and just the small role that I've been able to play in the game that I love so much and I'm so, so proud to support. Absolutely. Well, in 2021, of course, the West Tigers will win the Premiership. Where will Parramatta finish? I don't want the West Tigers (laughs) to beat Parramatta in the grand final. (laughs) But let's say that, shall we? Can we win the year after? We'll leave it at that. All right, Mary, it's been an absolute unmitigated pleasure for me to be able to repay the kindness that you showed me when I came onto your podcast series. So thank you very much for joining us today. Lee, it's been such a pleasure. And as I said, thank you to Brighton's Lawyers for the incredible work that you do supporting all sorts of sport. It's it's a credit to all of you. So thank you for having me and for always being so generous with your time. Well, thank you for your kind words. And thank you to all for listening again to Law Pod brought to you by Brighton's Lawyers. If you have any particular subject matter that you would like us to address, please do not hesitate to contact us by email at lawpod at brydens.com.au or contact or follow us on all social media platforms, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Mary's TikTok account. <laughs> I don't have TikTok. Oh, you don't have a TikTok. Okay. It's the only one I don't have. Oh, fair enough. <laughs>